0: Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Broadcast Journal. We're coming to you for the Rancho Center in Newark, New Jersey. My guest is the pre-game and post-game host and reporter from the New Jersey Devils is Deb Placey. How are you doing, Deb?
1: I'm good. It's great to see you back here. I used to see you around here all the time, (laughs) every morning, late nights. You know, you guys do a great job. So, Mm -hmm. happy to have you back and to chat for a while.
0: So, uh, before I get into the interview, uh, so how's a typical day here at the Rancho Center for a Devils game for you?
1: Well, today was a little different, but I would say... 90% 90% of the games, I will come from Connecticut where I live and come to the morning skate and then the Devil skate 1030, watch the skate, and then do a bunch of interviews after on camera. Well, the players are on camera. I'm not. <laughs> um, we do the players first and then John Hines. And either I have an idea in my head of a couple of the news items I'm going to use or something's developed that we find out when we get to the rink or something comes to, uh, to us. While we're watching, maybe who's lined up with who, or who might get the start and goal—that we, you know, that kind of thing—and we basically have three news items in the first segment, and then the middle two segments are Bryce's um, segments, um, and he will have chosen three or four elements about the Devils, and then three or four elements about the opposition that he wants to focus on. So, for instance, you want me to give you an example, like for today?
0: Uh, maybe the last game, maybe a little better.
1: Okay. So, um, let's see, the la- <laughs> remind me of the last game. <laughs> Tuesday night against Columbus. So, um, Bryce wanted to do something about what a difference a week makes. Right. Prior, the Devils had gotten beat up in Columbus on the Moms trip, 6-1. They lost the second night to Boston. And then the next week, here they win four straight games. um, Big road wins in Tampa, Carolina So he wanted to do something on what a difference a week makes So we got sound bites from Bryce, from um, Ben Lovejoy And Damon Severson About being streaky Or being, you know, keeping uh, The team from doing that And we'll put that sort of newsy thing In Bryce's segment And then, uh, you know, the the news Segment would have been um, Miles Wood being suspended, not being in the Lineup Mm -hmm. Blake Pietola being called up You know, that kind of thing So we got sound from them um, And that runs in the show And then Kanji and I go to lunch <laughs> Steve Kangelis and I usually have lunch And then the afternoon Just spent doing work um, Writing the show And then we meet Our production meeting Between 3.45 and 4 o'clock And then we're really off and running I get dressed Put on my makeup We rehearse at 6 o'clock Go on the air at 6.30 Then I host a half hour pregame The intermissions And then the postgame so that's my day.
0: <laughs> so okay, so let's get into your career. You started your career as a production assistant at ESPN. Yeah, so. PA they called it. So how did you get that opportunity?
1: So I was in college. I was a senior at Arizona, University of Arizona, Wildcats, and they went to the Final Four basketball. Steve Kerr was a big star then, now with a Golden State coach, but he was a player then, so that's how far back I go. And we, uh, my story sisters and I were there, and I uh, met Jim Lampley. Who was a big broadcaster in his day When I was growing up at ABC And I told him I think my girlfriends told him my sisters She's going to do someday what you do <laughs> And he said Well he introduced me to someone else Who was there, a gentleman named Mo Davenport Who was uh, a rising executive at ESPN And he said we have a program For recent college graduates It's a six month trial program you, uh, If you get the job You come and you're evaluated after six months And either we keep you or we send you on your merry way So I applied with a resume, I got an interview, I flew out there, I interviewed, I ended up getting a job, and I drove my car across the country from Arizona for five days by myself, (laughs) stopped halfway at home in St. Louis, drove the rest of the way, and that's what I did. I was a PA, worked on graphics, and I cut highlights, um, and um, just did all kinds of whatever normal, you know, for sports center primarily, some college basketball, some other things, but mostly Sports Center. And then when the six months was up, they hired me full-time, and then I stayed there for a couple years until I got my first on-air job.
0: And I was going to get to your first on-air job in Illinois. Uh, I read that it was really a big break. Uh, you got to fill in a couple weeks as a sports anchor. So how did that opportunity to come about?
1: Good question. So I had sent a resume reel, which we do back in the day, a videotape, and of course I was in college, and I looked about 12, and... <laughs> I didn't get any offers, shocker, but one of the news directors from an ABC affiliate in Southern Illinois kept it. And when, um, obviously, two years had passed, and she saw um, that I had been, you know, um, being a PA at ESPN and was intrigued and called and said come interview and if you get the job i'll give you a chance to try sports but you got to be a news reporter for me for six months so that's what happened she hired me and i covered like local court scene you know all the features and hard news soft news anything you see on your local news you know 20 years ago and i did that for six months and then the sports director was getting married so the saturday and sunday of his wedding and then the saturday and sunday of his honeymoon i got to anchor the sports and that's when it started
0: so you moved on to a couple of other stints in Iowa, Rhode Island, Miami, but then uh, you had another opportunity with ESPN2, which right. was at the time of these fledgling network. So how did you get opportunity at ESPN2?
1: So they had known me as a PA, and I had worked my way around, and by the time I was in Miami, I had a pretty strong resume reel, and I'd been anchoring and covering sports all over whether it was in iowa and big 10 basketball or high school wrestling which is big there or in providence and i covered the celtics and the bruins and miami was the dolphins and actually i was there when the florida panthers started their organization and we covered miami football and the college uh, miami football Um, then espn2 was starting and hiring and they hired me back
0: so what What type of shows were you a part of at ESPN2?
1: So I did what they called the Sports Smash, which was the funky name for the sports update. And it was me, Stuart Scott, and Bill Pito, the three of us. And I think it was called Sports Tonight. Like, they used the two, like, at ESPN2, Sports Tonight. Keith Olbermann and Susie Colbert anchored it. The three of us were were the uh, sort of the uh, update feature, you know, kind of anchors. And we had a blast. But it really wasn't what I wanted to do. They were doing a lot of X Games and extreme sports and trying to be different and trying to do different things. And I was really interested in mainstream sports. So MSG had offered me a chance to come do the Knicks, the Yankees, the Rangers. At that time, Sports Channel still had the Devils and the Islanders and, and the Nets. But the, the MSG had their own teams, including a 10-year contract with the Yankees. So I went to the city, I went to MSG, and I've been there 23 years.
0: I was going to get to my next <laughs> question. So, so you got into that. So,
1: how was your early years at MSU Network? That's a good question. The early years were definitely different than now. We did uh, more of a we did the sports desk, so we were doing news and highlights around the teams in a studio show. Back when a lot of you know a lot of broadcasters did that. Now we really just do programming around the teams, and it's still just as much work because we're on Twitter and social media to update fans and to keep them engaged and to give them news updates. In some ways, it's a lot more of a 24-7 job, except the summer I get the summer off. So... In that sense, it's just different. But it, it used to be more garden centric in that we do sports desk, and then when, at the very beginning. And then when the other teams joined us and Sports Channel and MSG merged, then it be, I, I branched out into the Islanders for 10 years and then got traded to the Devils. And so I've been there. But again, it's been more programming and more about the teams that we cover versus sort of the old fashioned scores and highlights.
0: So talk about your uh, time with the Islanders. How did, how did you first get an opportunity to become a studio-slash-reporter for the Islanders?
1: Well, the Yankees, after 10 years, and we did four, all four of their first World Series. I was a rookie when Derek Jeter was a rookie in 96. Um, well, I guess we were rookies together, and they lost to Seattle. Then the next full year was his first full year, and probably my first full year. They won that first World Series. And so I really did the Yankees quite a bit. I went on the road. I hosted the pregame. Al Troutwig did 100% of the home games and then some road. And I remember doing a lot of road games back in the day, and then once in a while I did some home games. He would maybe go do the pre and post for the Knicks when they were in the playoffs in the fall, and I got to do a lot of Yankee home games then, that kind of thing. Amazing experience, amazing team. Joe Girardi was catching, you know, Tino Martinez, Paul O'Neill, Bernie Williams, that whole group with, with Derek. Really, an amazing time. So, a lot of late night post games that we used to do during the playoffs and parades and World Series games and everything. And then they formed their own network and they went to Yes. And one of the executives, Leon Schweier, came to me and said, How would you like to do the Islanders? And I said, I'm in because we had lost the Yankees. The writing was on the wall that the Mets were going to go do their own network as well. So, I transferred really when the Yankees and Mets formed their own networks.
0: So does anything stand out in terms of your 10 years with the Islanders?
1: Oh, so many things. I loved the guys, wonderful coaches, Peter Laviolette, uh, and the great success he had the first two years were my first two years following them full-time and traveling to every game. You know, they did a training camp one year in Nova Scotia, and I remember going and meeting Sidney Crosby. I did something for the NHL Network uh, uh, when he was going to be drafted. He was only 18, and I met his mom and went to the rink in Nova Scotia where he grew up playing, and they were the little subway team and met his neighbors and the trophy room, and so I've known Sidney Crosby since he was 18. Little things like that happen when you're with a team, you start to cover the league, and then the NHL Network hired me. I did a lot of national stuff for them over the years, and then continued to do some NHL Network when I got traded to the Devils, but then they became bigger. They left Toronto. They moved to their studios to New Jersey and started hiring people full-time, so I didn't really want to give up doing the games and doing my teams and being with MSG, so I didn't get to do as much NHL Network stuff, which I do miss, but I love doing what I'm doing, so I didn't didn't want to give up doing games.
0: So you grew up in St. Louis. I did, yeah. So uh, were you a fan of the um, St. Louis teams, Blues, Cardinals, and then I guess the football Cardinals They
1: were, the football Cardinals were there. I was a huge Cardinal baseball fan, for sure. And the 82 World Series, I was a kid, and I've grown up a Cardinal baseball fan. It's part of the fabric, for sure, of the city. And I come from all sisters, but we all played softball. And we all went to games with our friends or family. We went to games all the time at Busch Stadium. I really grew up. And if you weren't there, you know, Jack Buck was on the radio in the backyard. You were listening to the game. And everybody kind of knew what the what the Cardinals do today. You know, they win or lose kind of thing. So it was definitely, I was definitely a big fan. Little of the blues, little of the football. I watched the games if they were on, you know. But mostly a baseball Cardinal fan. Well,
0: oh, I guess, I guess I've... I guess I usually say my last guess. How would you like to be remembered when your career is all said and done?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I I honestly would really like to be remembered as um, a a good teammate and a good team member. You know, our crew is a team, and we have an awesome team that we work with on The Devils. Roland Drach and Tom Eberg have been producing and directing with Larry Gaines as our associate producer for... They've been together 20, 25 years. This is only my seventh year with them. We have a blast we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the job seriously. And now, these last couple of years, being able to travel on the charter has been a game changer, and that we um, are not scrambling to fly commercial. Lou didn't, Lamarillo didn't allow us on the charter. It was much more difficult to travel. So, these last two years have been just a bit of a different atmosphere. Um, Ray Shiro is very um, available and open and honest about what he's doing, and his you know plans with the team is a lot more coverage of players a lot more access to players we've gotten to know them we've gotten to be able to share their stories with the fans and I think it's reflected in really good ratings and a lot of interest and a lot of season a lot of tickets being sold and big crowds here and this is a really good group I've been around a lot of teams a lot of years different you know teams and this is for sure one of the best groups of guys I've ever been around they're so accommodating respectful um, interesting and it's really been an exciting year.
0: Actually, there is one more question that just it just popped in my head. Uh, would you say that you've been a pioneer looking at all the women sportscasters, not just even in this area like Shannon Hogan, Meredith Rockowitz or the S yes Network? Do you see yourself as, you know, a pioneer in certain respects? That's a
1: very nice question. I will say that I definitely, between the, you know, that, you know, couple of the girls you mentioned and when I travel they'll say I grew up watching you and it makes me feel a little old but it's very nice they always tell me I was the first woman to host a, an NHL team on a broadcast so I'm proud of that and I was I think I was the first woman to host the pre and post game for the Yankees many years ago and so I'm really proud of that and I always thought that I didn't do enough for other women, that I wish I had done more in the early days. And I always thought that if I did a good job and I did my best work and I continued to advance, that it would help other women along the way. So I hope that that's true. And I've definitely tried in the last couple of years. I hear from now my friends' kids or uh, co-workers' kids are growing up and want to be in the business, and I talk to them a lot, and I take their resume around, and I try to use my contacts to help them get internships and help them get seen and help them get jobs you know if i can put in a good word or give them some advice i do chat with young people all the all the time which you know i think is a good thing but i do that for the guys who call too if they say my son is interested or i have a friend whose son is interested i do that as well so i and i enjoy that and uh, i think it's important that we do it
0: okay that's deb placey And I'd like to thank her for being on the podcast today. And this has been the Broadcast Journal. Hope you enjoyed this edition.